Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Vision blurry, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! All right, Wolf, if you're scoring at home, there was the pick, there was the punctuation, and then there was the hardware. He went the distance, he went airborne. And then he went viral. If we're talking Thursday to Thursday, it's going to be real hard to top the week of tonight's guest on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford because putting the big into the Big Red Rage is your NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Cardinals cornerback Marco Wilson is on board tonight. Marco, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh man, I tell you, we're all we're all feeding off your energy of this. So what is this last? Uh, I mean, seriously, Thursday to Thursday, what has it been like? What has your phone been like? Have you even caught up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, my phone was definitely blowing up. A uh, whole bunch of people hit me up, you know, telling me about the play they saw. It. Uh, it's been real cool, you know. It's been real cool. So overall, Marco, what kind of season do you think you're having right now? Uh, I say I'm pretty having a. Uh, I say a solid season. I mean, uh, I, I think I've been elevating my play every week, um, and I've just been doing what the coach has been asking me to do, trying to help my team however uh, we need it. And, um, you know, came up came up big this this weekend, making some big plays. But uh, I think I think I've been getting better and better each week. You mentioned the coaches in this season, and of course, this season starts in August with camp. Mm-hmm. And Coach Kingsbury had a couple of things to say. What, what did he want to see out of you, get out of you, that maybe he wasn't seen at that point? Uh, honestly, maybe make just make more plays because uh, I'm never a guy who's really out of position and like someone who's messing up plays and stuff like that. I, I, I come in and I'm, I'm pretty detailed. That's, that's the thing I, I hang my hat on, some of my, my details. I, I'm great attention to detail. Uh, so probably just, just making more plays, you know, picks and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something I, I didn't put too much pressure on myself. Uh, I understood what I needed to do, and I just took it day by day and just, you know, did the things necessary that I needed to do to, uh, you know, try to fix these things. You know, Marco, I've got a question here I want to ask you about Thursday night, of course, and then I want to follow it up, Paulie, if that's okay with you. But my first question is, was was Thursday night the best game you've played as a pro? <laughs> I asked him this earlier in the week. Go ahead, Marco. Nah, I, I said not at all. Uh, I mean, at the first drive, I, I gave up a pretty bad touchdown, so it, that's definitely out the book for best game ever. But uh, it's definitely uh, – I, I think I played a great game after that. They completed, I'll say, one, one pass for – not even 10 yards uh, after that on me. So I think it was a solid game, uh, and I, I think it was honestly good that I got scored on like that because 
uh, it was a good challenge. Like it happened early on, I got to be able to turn my mind around and, and, and make a good game out of it. <clears throat> okay, what about the meme? <laughs> okay, what about you diving across the end zone, Marco? I got to tell you about. I've been around this game for a long, long time. I've seen a lot of stuff. I, I've never seen anybody take off from the four-yard line and land in the minus two, man. Um, where, where do you get those kind of hops, man? Uh, God-given talent, man. That's, that's all I can say. I mean, my, my dad was an athlete, you know. My mom's a little, little bit of an athlete, I'll say. Uh, but it's just God-given talent, man. I, I likened it to going to the big top as a kid, the circus, and the human cannonball where they put the guy, you know, and just and the guy shoots across the big top into the net, except Marco was working without a net. And we'll get into that in detail in a little bit. Here's Cliff Kingsbury. We mentioned NFC Defensive Player of the Week, and it's not going to be your best game ever in the book, in your book at least, but in the box score, you had the pick six, you had two passes defensed, you had three tackles, and then you got the hardware. Here's your head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Excited for him. Uh, he, he's worked really hard since training camp to continue to get better. And, and just his presence on the field, how calm he, he looked out there Thursday night, his demeanor, uh, the situational awareness has really improved. And, and that was a big-time play he made. So it's, it's fun to see a guy like that gradually get better and, and earn some, some recognition from outside this building. What do you hear from Vance Joseph? What do you hear from cornerbacks coach Greg Williams? What are they still impressing upon you? Because you're only halfway through year two in this league. So mm-hmm. what are they? Where do they harp on you week by week? Uh, just, just keep doing what I, what, what got me to uh, start in position as a rookie, which is like I said, my, I'm a, my attention to details, you know, out of this world. I think, uh, and just continue to do that and not, and not change anything up. I'm doing or trying to do too much or, or doing less than what I've been doing, uh, but. Just keep doing what I've been doing is what they tell me, and you know I, I know that's exactly what I should do. I don't I don't need to change anything. I don't think the only thing I can do is just do more, which is like more preparation, maybe stay more after practice, stuff like that. Marco, if you could go into the detail of playing the cornerback position in the National Football League. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. it. Obviously, the physicality that comes with it. And when I say that, I mean the more more of the raw athleticism that it takes to play that position right there. But it's also a bit of a mind game, is it not? Yeah, I, there's definitely a lot of mental preparation uh, going into a game as a cornerback. I, I think more than people expect, honestly. Uh, I think the mental part is honestly more than the physical part, uh, but I, I say this is this is definitely one of the hardest positions of playing football, and especially with all, all the rules they're creating to help offenses. I know I know these guys want to see offenses go crazy, so it's it's definitely getting harder to play as a DB. You, you can't do a lot of things you used to be able to do, so uh, it's, it's definitely challenging. But you know, it's it's fun. At the end of the day, it's fun, and I enjoy doing what I do. I mean, look at D-Hop. He drew three defensive holding flags in one game. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but you've been doing this since you were a true freshman at Florida. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, and, and when I saw I saw the stat, you played in a high school program with Patrick Sertan and Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I play with a lot of guys. I mean, Those are usually just the guys that get, like, you know, the, the, the name put out there. But I, I play with – we got a lot of guys in the NFL right now for, out of American Heritage. Yeah, that's, that's – just. I mean, so to what degree, I mean, you know, have you been preparing for this NFL career since age what? I, I mean, in a lot of ways, you, I mean, you must feel mentally prepared. Uh, I'll, I'll probably say I, I got super serious after, uh, like – 
in my freshman year of high school, that's when I, I changed to playing cornerback. Um, and I, I realized, like, I, I'm having really fun playing cornerback, and, and I'm pretty decent at it right now at a young age. Like, I, I could probably, you know, do something serious with this. So, Marco, um, right now, this season, I'm just talking about this season, who's the toughest receiver you face so far? Hmm. That's a good question. You, you played a lot of marquee guys already, and you might be getting the best receiver in the game this Sunday. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Justin Jefferson. So let me ask you this. I'll follow up with this right here, even though you haven't answered it yet. I'll follow up with this, Marco, right here. Do you, do you keep a diary of any of uh, your opponents and write stuff down? Do you take notes? Is there anything you do uh, specific to the position and um, what you might face in the future? Uh, I, I, I take a I take a ton of notes. I have a notebook that I bring into the building every day, and I'm, I'm taking plenty of notes on the guys that I'm going against. So, and and that's something that really helps me. I think taking taking notes like that really makes things stick in my in my brain. So when it when it gets down to game time and things are hectic, you know, I, I could just think quickly. So I just Googled it up. You're on it. Why is Calvisi on his phone? I just Googled it up. So if I'm seeing this right, at the Combine, you ran a 4.35 and then moved that decimal point over one because your vertical was 43 and a half inches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, Wolf, yeah. there's part of the answer, okay, to, to, to what you were talking about with, with the front flip. Here's Buda Baker at his locker yesterday, and he was just asked about your pure athleticism. You know, he has all the attributes, the size, the speed. He's very explosive. If you guys didn't know, I think he benched like, what was it, 20 times in the, in the 26 reps. You know, guy who jumps 40 inches, uh, you know, not as fast as me yet, but, you know, he's getting there. And, uh, you know, he, he's in there. He's making plays, making tackles, you know, picking the ball and jumping sky high into the end zone. You can also leap over cars, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was that? Uh, what's that? Uh, parkour. Yeah, I saw the little YouTube video and uh, you know I, I would expect nothing less from that guy he's he's a different type of folk <laughs> different type of folk I like that tell us about the video most people have seen it if you're on social media how old were you when you shot that and uh, just what kind of response have you received uh, I, I think I was probably like either 13 or 14 years old like eighth grade uh, and I, I had I had always been into like doing flips when I was like seven years old I, I taught myself how to do a backflip and then I remember one day I was I was real young and I seen uh, a video on YouTube. It was a parkour video by some guys named Storm Freerun. And I watched the video and I, I thought everything they were doing was fire. I'm like they're flipping and they jumping off the wall. I'm like this is cool. Like I, I could I could probably do this. So uh, just on my when I had when I used to have a lot of downtime as a kid, I would you know practice new flips, jump over obstacles and stuff like that. The the feedback I'm getting from the, it's it's funny because that video's been out for so long and and a lot of people I would only really show some of my friends and I'd be like hey, don't tell nobody don't tell nobody about this video cuz I know they're going to laugh about it. But it's it's great feedback. I mean, I'm I'm glad this video came back up cuz people could see like things I used to be in, interests I used to have. So it's pretty cool. Marco, how does parkour help you play corner? Does it? I mean, is there anything that translates from parkour over to playing corner in the National Football League. I'd probably say the only thing that really helps with that is just the athletic ability that it takes to do parkour just helps me, you know, play a position like cornerback, which requires a lot of athleticism. When you launched into that front flip, did you know exactly how it was going to finish? 
Oh yeah, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I did that same exact thing before. Like in college, I, I've gotten a pick in practice, and I ran to the end zone and dove in that. And, and usually in college, I you can't, I didn't get a chance to have a pick six. And if I would, I probably wouldn't have done it because it'd probably be a flag in college. So yeah. I had to take my chance with this one. You realize when you're a grandparent, you can show that meme to the ki- the grandkids. You realize with Andy Dalton in the foreground and you in the background. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I mean, I, I kid you not, I saw that thing and laughed out loud for about five minutes. Minutes, man. Okay, what sports did you play in high school, Marco? Uh, in high school, I only did I only did uh, football and track. Track and that field. was it, huh? Yeah, I actually I used to always go to states for triple jump though, triple mm, jump and long jump. So that that probably make some sense. <laughs> Didn't you win a? Weren't you right up there among the state's best sprinters? Like one year, did I see that in your bio? Uh, I, I was I was a, a great sprinter, but I did win states uh, for like group group events like the 4x1. We, we had a crazy team. It, Pat Sertain was on our 4x1 team. Anthony Schwartz is at the Browns right now. Tyson Campbell. Oh, my goodness. Fast, fast. Just, just speed everywhere. People want to know about the athleticism in the NFL, Wolf. I'm like, Buda Baker won a state 100 title in high yeah. school in Washington. And then what Mike Marco does. So, you know, it makes sense, right? I mean, these guys are the .1% who are playing this game we call NFL football. And speaking of, D-Hop, he returned. What does he do for cornerbacks? Because I see D-Hop talking to defensive guys a lot on the sideline. Yeah. How, how much has he helped you with your game? I think D-Hop's helped me a lot. I think especially last year when I when I came as a, as a young rookie, I was going against him a lot. And this, it was something I was super excited about. He, he beat me a few times, and and I, I didn't get too mad because at the end of the day, I know it's D-Hop. I know what he does. I know he's he's best receiver in the country right now. So what I'll do is just talk to him like, yo, like, what did you see? What did you see me doing right here? How did you think to do this? And he and he'll tell me everything. I mean, because he's he's not gonna hold out on answers. I'm on his team. He wants me to win too. So he's helped me a lot, man. He's a smart guy. He's been playing for a long time, and and he's a great player. So it helps a lot. So Marco, what would you rather play, man off or press man? Mm. I probably say press man. That's because that's that's just what I've been used to. But I, I, I think VJ's been been doing a great job with helping me work on my feet and and off coverages too. So I could try to perfect, you know, press and off, you know. Speaking of EJ, um, he mentioned that the defense was a little surprised Friday morning because he had an edge to him. He liked the win, didn't necessarily love the defense. Mm-hmm. And there were three big plays. Mm-hmm. In fact, he kept harping on the three big plays. Yep. And so you'll hear from your defensive coordinator what he told the media when we come back. And we'll talk about Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Ridiculous stats, Wolf, on Justin Jefferson. You realize he has the most yards receiving of anybody in NFL history through three seasons, and he still has 11 games to go? (laughs) Yes. He's been been playing real good. He's tracking to break Randy Moss's single-season record. Hello, Randy Moss. (laughs) Another Florida guy, right? You're a Florida guy. Patrick (laughs) Peterson is a Fort Lauderdale guy. He had some stuff to say on his podcast this week. We'll get into all that. The Big Red Rage with Marco Wilson. We come back presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Back to pass goes Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20. Marco Wilson to the 10. He high steps and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown. Marco Wilson with a pick six. And the Cardinals take the lead, 20 to 14. Dalton straight drop back, throws over the middle, and a one-handed interception by Isaiah Simmons in midfield. Runs it back to the left of the 40, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20, and Simmons in, back to back. Interception returns for touchdowns by the Cardinals at the end of the half. 
It was 22 points right before halftime, scored by the Arizona Cardinals. In fact, the Cardinals did the nation a favor and saved America from another low-scoring Thursday night football game. Instead of these 12-9, 12-7 games, you guys put the most points on the board in over five years of Thursday night football. We like to call ourselves the original Thursday night football here. The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and our very special guest, Marco Wilson, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. You mentioned the phone. Uh, it, it must have blown up, right? After you put, I mean, we just heard the call. You got into the locker room, picked up your phone, and then and then you tell us what was that like? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a whole bunch of people, you know, hitting me up. But you know, of course, I, I try to hurry up and look through all the messages to find what my family's saying. Uh, love to see what my family's saying because they're the most important. I know they were super excited because they weren't at the game; they had to see it on TV. So it was just wild, you know, wild. But it's it's a blessing, man. I'm I'm so happy to be able to have that opportunity to make a play like that and be able to play in the NFL and just do what I'm doing. So, Marco, as you're watching yourself right now, um, and not only from uh, the beginning of the year, but also from the beginning of your career, where do you think you've gotten better and where do you think you need to improve? Uh, I, I think I've improved just my awareness of the game, honestly, uh, and just a few technique things with these with these zone coverages that I've had to learn since coming into the NFL. Uh, I, I think I've gotten I've gotten better with that, uh, and, and I think I also still need to work on on my zone coverages because still that's that's not something I've always done since college. So that's that's something I'm still been working on every day in practice and just trying to perfect that so I can just be good with both man coverages, zone coverages. I, I just want to be all around guy. You mentioned looking for messages from your family. Are you still coached by your dad? Because your dad does that for a he coaches corners for a living, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, nah, my my dad helps me a lot. You know, he's always you know even even doing film study throughout the week to help me out as well. Um, and then of course in the off season I do all my all my cornerback training with my with my pops, and I'm I'm just grateful. That's that's been really really a big deal for me because I, I see a lot of guys who don't have much guidance and they they kind of have to do it on their own. And I I just been super blessed that I didn't have to go out and do it on my own because who knows what I would have been doing. He's, he's helped me so much. So, Marco, when you talk about a zone, man, of course, you know, you've got cover two, a roll-up corner. You've got three deep. You've got different zones that are out there. Is there one that you prefer? Uh, not really, honestly. I, 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 I think... I think they're all pretty good coverages, zone coverages to to make plays. You could you could always make different type of plays and different type of coverages. So I don't really prefer one or the other because they all give me a different spice. You know that I'm that I'm cool with you know seeing what I could do. All right, so here's your defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, earlier today. Cardinals get a win on Thursday night. Everyone's feeling pretty good. They come into the meeting room Friday morning, and, uh, well, we'll let the defensive coordinator take it from there. Last Thursday to make those three big plays, that was fun to watch. But to give up those three big plays that we gave up, that led to 17 points, we don't like that. Those three plays were the biggest plays we've had all year. I mean, 60-plus, 40-plus, 50-plus, that's not good defense. You know, and Friday, Friday morning we had a spirited meeting. They were a little shocked, you know, of my uh, attitude on Friday morning. But the standard did dip. That's got to stop. A little later, he said, we speak the truth. Is that accurate? It, no, it's, it's very accurate. Very accurate. And, and I wouldn't want it any other way, uh, honestly. It, he might have said people were shocked, but I, I wasn't shocked, honestly, especially because I was, I was one of those guys that gave up them big plays. So it was cool to, to have a big play that I made and, and had a good game, but it was for, I was for sure thinking about that play that I gave him and how I can't, I can't let stuff like that happen anymore. So it's understandable. I understand exactly why he felt like that felt that way because, you know, moving forward, if we give up plays like that, it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> 
Marco, where do you think this defense can get better? Where do you think it needs to get better as the season unfolds? Honestly, I, th- I think the best thing for us to do just moving forward just to, to get better is just everybody honing in on the job and just doing doing their job to you know the max maximum detail. I, th- I think if we just sit here and everyone does a job to the maximum detail, this defense will flow together because we we got athletes and, and talent everywhere. What do you remember from Kirk Cousins last year? I remember a guy who got rid of the ball like ultra quick. He got sacked only one time, but he used to skin the ball out quick. He had a darn good game. Cardinals won, you know, but they had to withstand a missed field goal at the end by Minnesota. What's your takeaway on the veteran quarterback? Well, I, I think he's a great quarterback, and you know, always a, a guy who's a is a vet like that is going to be very smart, you know. And last year, I, I didn't get to play much because I, I did hurt myself last year. But from what I what I do remember, he he was he was on point that game, man. This week, we got to make sure he plays. He doesn't play as good as he did last year. How about the offense in general as you're sitting here watching tape on them? What does the offense do well? Uh, I, I think their main thing is they just they got they got good guys everywhere. You know, Dalvin Cook's an amazing running back. You got Justin Jefferson, Thielen, K.J. Osborne. They, they got weapons everywhere, and I, I think that's their best deal because they can hit you with a big play from, from anywhere, and if you get caught lacking, that's – they can make you pay. VJ mentioned the Rams. Kevin O'Connell coming from the Sean McVay tree. There's similarities to the two schemes? Yeah, definitely. They definitely are. And when you play the Rams, I mean, this is just me now. You tell me if this is true or false, but they're, they're going to try and mess with your eyes a lot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do a lot of tricky things. So eyes are, eyes are going to be super important on, on Sunday. And, of course, Wolf, there's going to be a ton of eyes on Justin Jefferson, right? They're all world yes. receiver. It was interesting to start the week. Somebody described Justin Jefferson to Cliff Kingsbury as pretty much elite, and Cliff Kingsbury cut off the reporter and said, no, 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 he's all the way elite. He is elite, this, this Justin Jefferson. Here's Vance Joseph on the Vikings' star receiver. He's a special player, obviously, and, you know, by numbers, he's getting the ball, you know, two to one, two to the second guy. So he's no different than Cooper Cup or Adams or DK Metcalf. So he's he's a special player, and he's been that way for three straight years. We saw him last year. He, he made some plays last year. It wasn't bad, but obviously the plan's always to keep those guys from hurting us. And look, you guys have had success against other star receivers this year. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, so A.J. Brown. Uh, what have you learned in those games against those teams with elite receivers? Uh, I, I think the main thing is just keeping your composure, you know, not getting too caught up in, in who, the, who the people are you're playing against, just more focused on what you got to do and what your assignment is doing to execute that because I think if you execute your assignment to, you know, maximum detail, you're going you're gonna to make the plays that you need to make. Where's your confidence level right now? Because you 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 sound like a confident dude to me. Uh, I'll, I'll probably say my confidence level's always been high. It's always kind of keep it high. No matter no matter what's going on, I, I think confidence is the main thing. You know, on and off the field. If, if you're not confident about yourself, I, you're gonna fail. How much does that separate cornerbacks? Think about your last game. If you would have let that first drive eat at you. Mm-hmm. You never would have been the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Was yeah. there a time in your development where you give up a big touchdown pass on the opening drive like that, and you, you <laughs> might have gone in the tank? Might a lot of guys go in the tank? Yeah, a play like a play like that would make a lot of people, you know, upset. I, I, I was for sure upset, but as soon as I hit that sideline, I washed it out of my brain because I, I know I, I've been I've been playing corner for long enough just to know that you're going to get beat. And when you get beat, you can't you can't sit there and think about it because now you you gonna mess up your whole game. You got to forget about it and just continue to move. Know that you that guy. Know what you're capable of, and just go out there and just continue to play. 
Marco, do you consider yourself to be a good tackler? <laughs> I know that you don't ask corners that very often, but do you consider yourself to be a good tackler? Yeah, I would say I'm a, I'm a pretty solid tackler, and, and I'm not a guy who's going to shy away from contact either. Who's the toughest tackle on the Minnesota Vikings? Who do you think is going to be the oh. toughest tackle in the open field? <laughs> Dalvin Cook, for sure. Definitely for Cook. sure. Well, yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, he's an elite back, uh, and then, you know, I just seeing him on film, he, he cuts so quick, man. He, he runs with purpose. And on top of that, he, he's from back home. I, I, know how, I know how players from back home play, so I, I know what time it is. Hey, he had 96 yards rushing in the first half last year, and then the Cardinals made a heck of a halftime adjustment, and he really didn't kill the Cardinals in the second half. Speaking of Florida, Fort Lauderdale guy, Patrick Peterson, who spent a decade here after being the number 5 pick in the draft once upon a time. Do you study other corners? or have you? And, and did you follow Pat P when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely study study other corners. I have a whole bunch of corners that I like to look at. I, I respect their game. Uh, I, I definitely looked at Pat a few times. You know, growing up, you know, looked up to him. He was a great top corner. Uh, I wouldn't say I looked at him the most out of everybody, but I definitely got a few things from Pat Pete. You, you know what's amazing, guys, is Pat Pete looked into the camera at the Miami game, right? So the Vikings last game, they went to Miami, which he considers home, and he looked into the camera before the game and said, "I'm going to get a pick," and he did. He got a pick. He is predicting two picks this week on his podcast. Uh, Marco Wilson, have you, have you ever called your shot like that? Uh, I ain't gonna lie, I, I, I've always been the guy to not say much before the games because <laughs> I, I, I play football. I know anything can happen. I, I tend not to say say anything before the game until my work's done. I, I, I do my talking when the work's done because I don't want to say one thing go out there another thing happens and people look at me crazy so anything that i am predicting anything that i think is going to happen i I keep it strictly in my brain until after the game's over it's good so tell me about what you're seeing with adam thielen as well you know everyone talks about justin jefferson but what about adam thielen what are you seeing from this guy uh another uh, veteran guy as well uh he moves great you know and he's super smart he knows what he's doing you know he could track the ball great he's a he's a great player as well there are weapons everywhere justin jefferson him i think they're great receivers the uh by the way speaking of you know talking and all that are you much of a trash talker Oh, no, nah, I don't really say much on the field. I, I, I tend not to get into it. I, I'm, I'm focused on my job. Which Cardinals receiver talks the most trash? Come on now. When you're in camp, like in August, who's talking the most? <laughs> uh, probably Tweezy. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. I tell you, did you see that uh, Wake Forest beat Boston College and that Zach Allen, 6'5", 290, had to wear Greg Dorch's Wake Forest shirt? <laughs> Greg Dorch is listed at 5'7", 175, and he wears a Medium. Wow. That must have been a visual yesterday when Zach Allen was wearing that shirt around. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, Marco, you got you got five seconds here. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh. What would I be? I would be uh I'm trying to figure out how old I'd be. Twenty eight? Uh man, still in the NFL making plays. Right on, dude. Thank you so Good much. Answer. Thank Good you. Answer. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the all-time meme. I, seriously, we're going to enjoy that the rest of this season. We're, we're going to enjoy that five years into the future. We're going to be enjoying that meme. So, uh, No problem. I'll try to make some more this year. <laughs> Please do, Marco. Yeah, yes, sir. All right. Many thanks to Marco. Wilson, we continue. Be right back with more of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Drop 
back, steps up, now turns, runs to his left, throws left in the end zone, Hopkins is there, sliding pitch for a touchdown! Oh, that was all Kyler Murray! He had nowhere to go, circling in the pocket, but he found a running lane, and then he found D-Hop in the end zone for the touchdown. Well, it drops the biscuit in the basket, does it not? And guess who's there? DeAndre Hopkins, an off-schedule touchdown once again for Kyler Murray and D-Hop. Patrick Peterson kind of lost Hopkins there. D-Hop had four grabs, 54 yards that touchdown, 15-yard score in that Week 2 win a year ago at home, 34-33, where Ron Wolfley, I know you remember vividly, eight lead changes, 893 total yards. You had a Cardinals defense that allowed three points in the second half after a miserable first half where they gave up 23 points, 292 total yards, 142 yards rushing in the first half alone, 15 first downs. It was the mother of all halftime adjustment games, and the Cardinals get a win 34-33 against the Vikings. And that is their opponent this coming Sunday here in Week 8 on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Yeah, Polly, you know what? I love that. You had the game book right in front of you, and you were just ripping off the stats, Polly. Way to go, big guy. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, though, we all know DeAndre Hopkins has a huge impact on this offense, and we saw it again Thursday night, did we not? Oh, my goodness. I mean... Look, there's what the Cardinals did in the box score in that 42-34 win. By the way, the 42 points the most in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Yes, the defense pitched in with a couple of pick sixes, obviously. But just the way the offense looked, right, Wolf? Just what players said after the game about D-Hop being on that field, being in that huddle, it just looked different, if nothing else, didn't it? Yeah, no, it absolutely did. Um, And you know why, Polly? Because they were moving D-Hop all over the place. He was in the slot. He was outside. He was on the right side of the field. He even went into motion, man. I don't know if you saw that ball. He went into motion. And, you know, obviously we know that um, this has been a point of contention a lot for some fans that DeAndre Hopkins, for the most part, just lined up on the left-hand side. And Kyler Murray was even talking about that very thing as well. Listen, D-Hop has a massive impact on how defenses try to defend the Arizona Cardinals, and I think it's a great idea to move him around and get him a little lost if you can. Next-gen stats right after the game said he was in four different spots. The Cardinals used him a total of three different spots all of last year. At least that's according to next-gen stats. Here's what the head coach Cliff Kingsbury had to say about D-Hop's impact against the Saints. I think when they're having to roll coverage and do different things, it, it opens up other people in the run game and all sorts of things. But you, you saw the playmaking ability and the you know holds on third down that converts at first downs and the pass interference on third downs and in the end zone that converts at first downs. I mean, that you can't put an emphasis on, on how big that is for us. And he, he changes things, there's no doubt. Yeah, that's a great point. Not only did he have the 10 catches for over 100 yards receiving on 14 targets, but he he drew three defensive flags, and every one of those was a critical point in the game. It was they extended drives, and, and, and then yes. Wolf, there's there's what guys said about him in the huddle. Remember Eno Benjamin, our post game radio interview. He he, he called D Hop another quarterback in the huddle yeah. because. 
he'd come back after the play and he had so many observations about what the defense was doing and what the Cardinals needed to do in response. It, it was remarkable. Yeah, no, you're right. There, there's no doubt, Polly. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins totally changes the offense for the Arizona Cardinals. I, I wish the Cardinals would have found a way to somehow, some way, move the ball and be effective without DeAndre Hopkins. But now that he's back, you know what? Uh, I'm willing to embrace everything that we get from actually having D Hop back. And what is that? I think he helps Kyler Murray. We've talked about this many times. I think he helps Kyler Murray and his progression and going through his progression wherever D Hop is, not just lined up to the left, but wherever he is. I think it's going to clarify a lot of Kyler Murray's reads. And not only that, Paulie, it also is going to help the play caller. Cliff Kingsbury. This is something that Cliff Kingsbury has talked about to us as well. The fact that it does help him call plays because he can have a pretty good idea as to, based on the personnel group, the down and distance and the formation he's going to go with, he can pretty well have a guess as to what the defense is going to be and because of that, call plays against said defense. So he does an awful lot for this team in many different ways. You know, Rondell Moore talked to him today. Both of them said that because D-Hop commands that cloud coverage, a safety over the top and or double coverage, it's like taking two guys away. Yeah. And then it just trickles down through the rest of the offense. Guys are able to get open. And and, and then there's there's that mentality that D-Hop brings, the accountability he brings. He's always talking to someone about something. In fact, I had a chance to interview D-Hop earlier today, and we asked him about just being vocal in the huddle. That's just me. That's who I am. That's how I've been since I've been in the NFL. I think I've always been a guy who was able to motivate and uh, try to push people because I want the same back to myself. I want guys to vocalize things that I'm doing or need to do better. So for me, it's it's just uh, you know being out there and, and you know just really not necessarily being a vocal leader, but letting my play show. Paulie, that is right there. That is the definition of leadership to me right there. You know what? I want guys to come back at me, too. I want guys to talk to me. This is what accountability does in a locker room, Paul. This is the best thing about it. First of all, D-Hop keeps himself accountable. He does. He keeps himself accountable first. He's going to hold himself to a standard. He might not hold anybody else. But doggone it, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, D-Hop's going to walk up on you, man. You've heard me talk about this, Paul, many, many times over the years. That, to me, is the definition of leadership. And D-Hop is a leader. I mean, hard, cold, stone-cold leader inside that locker room, man. And, and that's... That's the thing nobody talks enough about. The tangibles are obvious. The intangibles, lights out. And you know what? If you want to see it and hear it for yourself, go to this week's edition of Wired. Go to the Cardinals website, azcardinals.com, the YouTube channel, and see D-Hop. It's a six-minute video. He was mic'd up against the Saints, and there's one poignant moment where Isaiah Simmons early in the game comes off the field, and D-Hop goes right up to him and says, you got to make that tackle. That's a play wow. you got to make, Isaiah. And, and, you know, the two of them kind of awesome. go back and forth a little bit. But, you know, they're Clemson guys. I saw them today walking off the practice field together. They're really good friends. And, and to your point, Wolf, he has that ability to walk up on a guy and tell him, guess what? you got to be better. And, and I, on the sideline, it was palpable. He was working both sides, the offense and the defense. You heard Marco Wilson say how much he's learned from a DeAndre Hopkins. How Hop will tell him, yes. okay, here's what you did wrong. Here's how I beat you on that route. Yes, and Paulie, I want to say this quickly because you already mentioned the fact he was targeted 14 times and he had 10 receptions for 103 yards. And 
I, what I love about that, Paul, is this is his first game back. He didn't even have a practice. Man, he didn't even have a practice ball. First Man. game back. <laughs> and he goes out there and lights the lamp. What do you think that does? What do you think that does to defensive coordinators that watch that tape? That immediately reinforces everything they suspected about Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Immediately in that game, you grabbed the rest of the league's attention and said, hey, oh, by the way, if you thought D-Hop was going to slow down at all, that's not going to be the case. And I love that because it totally reinforces a, a component of this offense that was alive and well in the first half in September and October of 2021, where you had Kyler Murray spreading the ball, doing a great job spreading the ball. I think he was reading coverage, a lot of it through DeAndre Hopkins, and yet he was spreading the ball to other receivers. Now you've reinforced the fact, hey, D-Hop is back. And now we're going to spread the ball a little bit more. I think we'll see that in the coming weeks. Hey, Kyler's passer rating was over 100 in that Thursday night win against the Saints. Yep. And and the Cardinals with D-Hop over the last two seasons, 9-2. and two. Without D-Hop, 5-9. and nine. Wow. And in case Vikings defensive coordinator Ed Donatel is listening right now, his corner, Patrick Peterson, predicted not one but two interceptions. Uh, is DeAndre Hopkins aware of that? Most definitely yes, because I asked him in the locker room. <laughs> they heard the comments from Patrick Peterson. So don't think that another 14-target game ain't coming on Sunday, because <laughs> I'm feeling it, and I'm calling it. Episode 47 of the Dave Fash Podcast featuring, oh, here's a good get, SportsCenter anchor Scott Van Pelt. Available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter, at HashPod. We continue more on the Vikings when we come back on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. McCown with the ball. This will be the last play. McCown steps up, rolling far side. McCown throwing far side into the end zone, and the ball that will forever live in infamy and in glory. The winning and losing call 2003. Final play of the game. Final play of the regular season that knocked the Vikings out of the postseason. It was like a Shakespearean tragedy right there for (laughs) Paul Allen. The Vikings uh, voice, the radio play-by-play guy. And, of course, a very young Dave Pash preceded there. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and that will be the subject in the next Cardinals Folktales. Miracle in the Desert. It premieres next week, Ron Wolfley. It's all about perspective is it not Paulie those two calls right there pretty much put it in perspective so both guys are still calling games for the respective teams and you have a Vikings team that is five and one after their best start since 2016 they have won four straight games all by one score they have the only two game lead among the eight division leaders 
Uh, are you buying these Minnesota Vikings coming off a win at Miami? Impressive at first glance, but when you consider they beat Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, and Teddy Bridgewater without Tua, what do you make of the Vikings? Yeah, you know, Polly, uh, I, I don't want to discredit them in any way, shape, or form. 5-1 uh, and one is 5-1, and one, and they have played very, very well. They can only play the people that line up across from them. They can only play the schedule that is on their schedule, so I'm going to give them credit. They're 5-1 right now. I think they're a good team when you look at them offensively. Um, Kirk Cousins all starts with him. Now, now look at I'm not trying to say that Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. I don't think he is. I think he's a great quarterback. That's what I think he is, a great quarterback. I'm not going to call him an elite quarterback. Um, he's got some great weapons around him. Justin Jefferson, stop right there, man. It, start right there and stop right there. Yep. That guy is as good as it gets in the National Football League. Adam Thielen, of course, is a guy that is sneaky good. He's sneaky fast, and that's what makes him so dangerous. You don't look at him and think, oh my goodness, he's terrifying me the way Justin Jefferson is terrifying me as I watch him on film. But then there's, there's, oh my goodness, the, the, Dalvin Cook and the offensive line is something nobody really talks enough about. I know Dalvin Cook, we all know how good he is, but the offensive line in terms of running the ball has done a fantastic job of blocking as well. This is an offense that can go out there and play very, very well, and that's not even... um That's not even close, Polly, to me as I watch them on film. They get it done. What's interesting is Dalvin Cook has yet to top 20 carries in a game, and yeah, I mean, he, he has done that 25 times the last three years. But for most people watching this offense that I've talked to, they say it's much more of a pass-first offense under Kevin O'Connell, who, of course, comes from Sean McVay. Uh, they've been very good at executing. For example, against Chicago in Week 5, they converted 12 third downs. Think about that. Yeah. Most in the game since 2009. So they've been doing the little things right. Uh, I'm just, it does seem to have a different identity, though, than the Vikings team that came to town in week two and once again ran for over 140 yards in that first half. I'm not expecting that sort of offense. Yeah, no, you're right about that, Polly. They do throw the ball an awful lot, and you would too if you had the wide receivers they do, right? Yeah. You would definitely do that, but. Man, Delvin Cook is one of these guys you just can't forget about him. He's averaging almost five yards a carry right now. And, yeah, they don't run the ball as much as they have, certainly in the past. But the Cardinals defensively are going to have to bone up, man. And also, too, offensively, this team, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings remind me of the Raiders. They remind me of the Raiders, Polly. The Raiders, they had Max Crosby, of course, and Chandler Jones, those two guys coming off the edge, and that's very similar to what the Vikings have. Daniil Hunter, of course, Zadarius Smith, those two guys coming off the edge. I'm wondering if the Cardinals won't adopt a similar game plan, especially as to what they did in that second half against the Raiders, where they started running a lot of counter a lot of counter plays, uh, the yep. counter tray where they were pulling the guard and tackle, the offside guard and tackle, and kicking out, trying to kick out Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and force them to take on blocks by big dudes like Will Hernandez. I wonder if we won't see that again, Paul. You know, that's a great question for Cliff Kingsbury, who had an extra few days during the weekend after Thursday Night Football to do some self-scouting. Here's what he learned. 
from an offensive perspective, just the, the big plays are, are way down. Um, I think that's an area we got to try and manufacture more of them. Getting hot back is going to help. I mean, you saw what he was able to do. Um, but we, we got to be able to make some, some bigger plays down the field. And your point, they better protect Kyler Murray or get him out of the pocket, get him some time. Daniil Hunter, in four career games against the Arizona Cardinals, has eight sacks. Hello. And Zadarius Smith has been really good this year. And I talked to, I had to interview a couple of Vikings people, and for a scout report on their team, everyone raves about Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson. The interior D lineman, who they said is so underrated and has been such a wrecking ball this year. So those, I mean, they have a stout front four. They have a stout front seven. Jordan Hicks and all his knowledge of the Cardinals offense and Kyla Murray, along with Kendricks. I, I mean, that's, say, that's a dynamic yes. pairing of linebackers. No, you're right about that, Paulie. They are. They're, they're very, very good. Their secondary now has struggled. That, that, that much I will tell you. Their secondary has struggled. Harrison Smith, of course, is getting a little long in the tooth. He's still a very, very good player. Uh, Patrick Peterson, one of the corners as well. But that's secondary right now. Number 28 in the National Football League in terms of um, passing yards per game allowed. And number 32 in terms of passing yards per play allowed, Paul. They have given up chunks of yardage. And hopefully this is going to continue this weekend. By the way, Patrick Peterson in that podcast this week, not only did he predict two interceptions against the Cardinals, okay, he also said he'll be standing up on the sideline, I'm quoting loosely now, seeing what the Cardinals do because I pretty much know every defense they're going to be running for the most part. So we'll see. We'll see how much he can pass along Vance Joseph's system. Uh, and he also mentioned about Kyler Murray. He had some pretty frank comments. And among other things, said about Kyler, this is Pat P. Now he's got to understand how to rely on teammates and how to play within the scheme and respect the game. So there's no lack of motivation in that Cardinals locker room. I can tell you that much. Yeah, you know what? That's a two-way street, isn't it, though? You get somebody who starts talking about it, and before you know it, um, everyone's talking about it on both teams. That's good, Paul, for the game. Special thanks, Marco Wilson and his meme. We thank his meme as well. (laughs) Jim Almohandro, Cody Fincher for Ron Wolfley on Paul Kelby C. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club